All right, welcome into Surviving Paradise, the podcast that takes a sometimes serious, sometimes humorous look at the claim by Jehovah's Witnesses that they are living in a modern-day spiritual paradise. I am your host, Stacy Bauman, former elder, ministerial servant, and more importantly than anything else, a kid raised in Jehovah's Witnesses in the 70s and in the 80s, which I think gives me somewhat of a unique perspective. I know I'm not alone. There's a lot of my generation out there that might be listening or tuning in, and I appreciate that. But as always, trigger warning and upfront commentary, all humor, sarcasm, and emotion are mine, all mine. So be warned that at times, you're going to get a little personality in any subject that we might be discussing regarding Jehovah's Witnesses, and that is in no way, shape, or form to take away from the seriousness and the life-altering damage that this religion has done to people. But like everybody else, I've got my own personality and way of dealing with that, so it sometimes bleeds through, and I thank everyone who's been listening, commenting, sending me messages, their own stories, and the like. It is so appreciated, and I am really enjoying getting to know a lot of new folks that have been through a similar walk through paradise and Jehovah's Witnesses. So this week, after really taking a look at the last few weeks on Surviving Paradise, I thought I'd try to lighten it up a bit this week, at least to the extent that I can when you're dealing with a subject like this and the damage that comes out of being exposed to Jehovah's Witnesses. In the last few weeks, we've talked about... Uh, is it safe to say some touchy subjects? We've talked about sex and the Jehovah's Witness view of that, everything from oral sex to marital sex to you name it, which can make people uncomfortable. We've talked over the last couple of weeks about disfellowshipping and shunning two things that I think are a disgrace and a blight to this planet. I think they are absolutely terrible as probably came through in both of those episodes. So I don't know if it was just a long weekend at the time of this recording or what. I really wanted to take some time to lighten it up, lighten it up a bit. And again, even when I say that, that's relative, right? It's relative on this subject. So whether that's possible or not in anyone's mind, uh, I'm going to take a shot at it this week. Because at the end of the day, we all know that this stuff has damaged millions of lives. It has cost people their lives, men, women, and children. So let's go in a different direction this week. I guess that's the easiest way of saying that. So really to begin, I'm often asked as a former Jehovah's Witness, what caused me to leave or how I know something that was so ingrained in me that I was raised around, that was a part of my DNA, let's be honest, it suddenly gets turned on its ear and I realize it's all a pile of steaming crap and garbage that it is in fact a cult. How do you make such a such a dramatic shift? And I, I'm sure that as a listeners, whether you're someone who is still associated with Jehovah's Witnesses and you've stumbled upon this, this podcast or you're someone who's left many years ago and everything in between, you've probably been asked that too. And so I want to take somewhat of a macro level look at how I personally know Jehovah's Witnesses are wrong, that I don't live in fear. I don't sit back and wonder, my God, what if I'm wrong and I'm going to miss out on living eternally in a paradise earth? I want to take just kind of a macro umbrella look at that 
and as a kid and then as an adult, there are a long list of things, which is really the foundation for this podcast, let's be honest, that bothered me, that didn't sit right with me, that I knew were clearly erroneous. They couldn't be correct. It defied all logic. But this week, I want to look at something that nagged at me constantly, that wore me out. For a classic overthinker, a kid with OCD, a high-stress type A, essentially an introvert, if I'm being honest, this subject, this thing, and I don't even know how to categorize it, was the one that I couldn't escape. It would chase me. I couldn't shake it. It was undeniable. And at every turn, whether I was a young guy or grew into an adult, got married, became a parent, and then became uh, an elder, actually, I couldn't shake this thing. This this thing would chase me. So I'm going un- to unpack it this week. I'm going to talk about it. And there's going to be a lot of humor because it's just time for it. The last few weeks have been rough, been really, really rough on this show. The subject matter, like all of them, was uh, really showed probably a lot of scars, uh, not only in myself, but in a lot of people as well. So if you're a brave Jehovah's Witnesses, Jehovah's Witness, excuse me, listening in right now, or you're like me and you had left several years ago, or you just recently left and you have this weird interest in Jehovah's Witnesses, like I always will, because again, it was such a massive part of 40 years of my life. It's like a scar that that is part of your life on this planet. Here is my personal concrete proof that Jehovah's Witnesses are a man-made organization. At best, a ridiculously insulting and sickly entertaining religion, but in reality, a deadly soul-crushing cult. Here it is. Are you ready? Brace yourselves, buckle up, sit back. I'm going to state it bluntly, and then I'm going to show you why and how I arrived at this conclusion using several examples. And let's have some laughs this week. So here it is, my concrete proof. Jehovah's Witnesses do not follow the Bible. They don't follow the Bible. Almost at all. Now, anybody can lift a few principles out of there and some things that they like and some nice stories and some parables and some, you know, some of the good stuff in the Old Testament, some of the good stuff in the New Testament, Jesus, the Gospels, whatever you want to lay claim to. But overall, Jehovah's Witnesses as an organization do not follow the Bible. And for me, whether it was many years ago when I arrived at this conclusion or today, it seems like common sense that if you're the almighty creator of the universe, of DNA, of humanity, of the zillions of different species of animals, of photosynthesis, oxygen, you name it, it seems like if you were the creator of all of those things that make life possible, you as the Almighty would be crystal clear in your communication on what leads to an eternal relationship with you, the creator. 
And it's really more than common sense, isn't it? It's life or death. It's that important. But it seems like if you were already deciding, if, if you're a Bible reader today and you believe in the Bible in Genesis, that, hey, I'm going to create this guy, then I'm going to pop a rib, then I'm going to create a woman, whatever it is that you believe in, it seems like if life or death was on the line, and by extension in an episode unto itself, the issue of universal sovereignty was on the line. Jehovah's Witnesses will recognize that term. That you'd be really, really crystal clear. Real crystal clear. If your child is reaching for the burner on the stove or for the fire, you're real, real clear and real adamant and real emotional about them not doing it. You're pretty clear. And we're imperfect turds, according to the Bible. And of course, Jehovah's Witnesses, we only get undeserved kindness. <laughs> Nonetheless, being imperfect, we're real clear about that, aren't we? Jehovah's Witnesses claim to believe that that communication from the Almighty is the Bible, the Holy Word of God. But they also speak out of the other side of their mouth. And we're going to talk about it in some detail as time allows. They claim that while the Bible was the communication of God, the very breath of Jehovah, they claim that it isn't enough, that Jehovah isn't clear in how he communicates, that the Almighty needs eight guys in upstate New York, clearly, as, as you might imagine, better communicators than the Almighty is, I mean, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you agree? Life and death is on the line. <laughs> the Creator's word, the Bible, wasn't enough. He needs eight guys, and he needs them to clarify a few things. If you're a Jehovah's Witness listening, first, you're brave. Thank you. Please, please continue to listen as we'll have some fun, but we mean the best. Jehovah's Witnesses claim that that communication from the Almighty Creator to all of his precious children here on the earth is the Bible. And yet at the same time claim that he didn't communicate very well. He needs eight guys in upstate New York to finish the job to clarify a few things. I mean, who doesn't feel warm and fuzzy inside <laughs> watching Tony Morris, David Splain, Stephen Lett? <sighs> My God. <laughs> if you've seen the recent district convention by some of the other activists on social media, they've done an amazing job. But who doesn't get warm and fuzzy watching these guys take the words from God's mouth and explain it better than he did. So simply stated, whether you're a Jehovah's Witness or not, Jehovah and his son Jesus just aren't enough. They're not enough. Not according to the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses. For centuries, for centuries, that dusty old book known as the Bible that all of mankind has, by the way, and, and shouldn't they, if your parent is going to communicate to you, in no uncertain terms. That dusty old book known as the Bible, God's communication to mankind just apparently, or we are being led to believe, sat in mothballs collecting dust until eh, roughly the late 1800s. Chuck Russell and the Bible students come along 
And, and But in reality, that's not even true because they were really waiting for Jehovah and his son Jesus to say, there's my eight guys in 1919. It was more than eight guys, but it's morphed and evolved. There's my guys in 1919. Mankind, apparently, up until that point, whether it was the late 1800s with Chuck or 1919, when Jesus said, I love what those guys in New York are doing. Those are my select mouthpiece to mankind. We are supposed to believe that the Bible was completely lost to mankind, unexplainable. No one could pick up on what it was putting down until these guys showed up. Their words, not mine, as you will come to see. If you're doubting this at all, I want to point to one of my favorite moments of waking up many years ago in what was a photograph. And it is by far and away my all-time favorite watchtower photograph. If you'd like to reference it in a bound volume for proof, and I encourage you to do that, please look at the May 15th, 1999 watchtower, where you will see the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses autographing Bibles. <laughs> you heard that correctly. You heard it correctly. The governing body in the picture is Garrett Loesch, who's still on the governing body, autographing the Bible. Now, for a minute, to get the impact of that, imagine autographing a book you didn't write much less autographing the word of God himself. The guys in upstate New York, at the time of the photo, it was Brooklyn, New York, took it upon themselves to autograph it and hand it out. It was such a polarizing moment for me that it continues to be probably one of the key and most significant moments in when I went, what the living hell am I a part of? The breath of God is being autographed by these guys. But the irony in all of this is that the governing body who are seen telling us, read the Bible, who claim to study the Bible, who claim to be the protectors of the Bible, who apparently believe they can autograph the Bible, consistently disregard the Bible and put themselves over the very book, the letter, the breath, the Holy Spirit of Jehovah God himself, his communication to every precious soul on this planet. They are above the Bible. Now, if you're a Jehovah's Witness on the fence at this point and you're thinking, come on, Stacy, you freak, mentally diseased apostate. I've been going to meetings my whole life. I've read the literature. I've seen the literature. Most don't read it. Let's be honest. Look, we're always talking about the Bible. Jehovah's Witnesses are always talking about the governing bodies, always encouraging mankind to read the Bible daily. We, for us old timers, we remember the old neon sign on the sign on the side, excuse me, of the buildings in Brooklyn. I saw it with my own eyes. Read God's word, the Bible daily. We use the Bible every meeting, Stacy, 
It is everything. But is it? Is it? This subject alone, as I stated at the outset, is the macro umbrella under which I decided to exit stage left. This subject alone could be the subject of several episodes of Surviving Paradise. I might never run out of things to talk about here because it's fascinating. It shows the depth, the breadth, and the power of cognitive dissonance. How wonderful, smart, emotionally stable people can find themselves drowning in mental morass and in cognitive dissonance to a degree they don't realize it. It fascinates me how this works on the human mind, how easily we can be swayed and sit in it, just sit in it with the proof hitting us in the face every meeting, every publication, whatever you may state, every talk, every convention assembly you attend as a Jehovah's Witness. It takes real special effort to understand why an organization that has countless meetings, it has circuit assemblies, it has district conventions, it has billions and billions of pages of literature telling you to study the Bible, but in fact, doesn't want you to study the Bible. For some, you're going, what's happened to Stacy? He's concussed. <laughs> For others, you're getting goosebumps because you know what I'm talking about. They alone get to tell you what you should believe about what you just read with your own eyes. You can literally read among Jehovah's Witnesses that the sky is blue and they will tell you at the meeting while you're holding the book in your hand that the sky is red. And you walk away out of the kingdom hall believing it. You believe it. The ability to cognitively sway people, to appeal to their emotions, which their videos are doing at this year's district convention and have been for five, six, seven years, they're just, they're just disgusting to watch. But the power to sway wonderful, kind, honest-hearted people is unbelievable. You can read in that book, a book that's been around for thousands of years, that the sky is blue. But by the time you leave the meeting, the sky is red and you believe it somehow. You don't believe me? You think I'm crazy? May I read to you the Watchtower of 1967, October 1st, page 587. Quote, Thus, the Bible is an organizational book and belongs to the Christian congregation as an organization, not to individuals, regardless of how sincerely they may believe they can interpret the Bible. For this reason, the Bible cannot be properly understood without Jehovah's visible organization in mind. End quote. Did you count how many times the word organization was used? It's an organizational book. What? It's not. It's made for the Christian congregation or organization. And it can't be understood without the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Visible Organization. Three times. Three times in two senses. 
And so they, the, the brainwashing, the cognitive dissonance, the confusion, the mental gymnastics begin. So if you're a PME, physically in, mentally in, or a Je Jehovah's Witness of any label you want to put to yourself, bravely listening in, please give this information some thought. Don't make a snap judgment. Just let it sit. Ask yourself the right questions, basic questions. So much of what you experience as a Jehovah's Witness, whether you're starting to realize something's wrong or you make your way to the door, is an emotional, sickening, nauseating feeling. For me, I've heard comparisons to the Jim Carrey movie, The Truman Show. I've certainly used The Wizard of Oz, the scene where Dorothy and her pals show up and, and the, the wizard is saying, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. I've certainly referenced 1984 by George Orwell. But it's all the same concept. How to prey on people, good people, loving, wonderful people's minds and hearts and get them to think that you have some authority over God himself and his book. A book you claim you hold dear, but you manipulate at every turn. So let's take a look at it. And we're going to throw in some laughs here, folks, because I have to. Jehovah's Witnesses claim that the Bible is all you need. Or do they? <laughs> Let's take a look at what the Bible says. At 1 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, and I'm going to use the New World Translation, their heavily doctored Bible, it says this, their words from the Bible, quote, all scripture is inspired of God and beneficial for teaching for reproving, for setting things straight, for disciplining in righteousness, so that the man of God may be fully competent, completely equipped for every good work. End quote. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. A logical, heavily educated, basically educated, common sense person. This all seems straightforward, right? My God, this book, this magical communication from Jehovah himself completely equips me. It leaves me completely equipped, fully competent. Brace yourselves because the governing body says it doesn't. No, not the book that they publish and give you and claim that they want you to study. They claim, well, it says completely equipped, but Jehovah needs us. <laughs> the Almighty needs eight guys in upstate New York. He needs Stephen Lett. He needs Tony Morris. He needs Garrett Loesch, David Splane. He needs those guys, Mark Sanderson. He needs those guys. That whole thing, Second Timothy, ah, Apostle Paul, ah, completely equipped. Well, yes, but no. <laughs> so, the same Jehovah God that created the atom, the molecule, DNA, the complexity of humans, men, women, galaxies, gravity, photosynthesis, animals, and the millions of species. Look, he was just kidding when he said 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. 
He was just kidding. Psych. <laughs> what he really meant, and just isn't seen in the verse, was that you won't understand a word of this book without my guys in upstate New York, without Tony, Stephen, Chuck Russell, the judge, Nathan Knorr, Henschel. Nope. Me, Jehovah God, the Almighty, I need those guys. I need the publishing company. I need them. So according to the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses, and, and I'm guessing you're very uncomfortable if you're one and you're listening right now, and I understand I was there. Like I said, this is my concrete proof I'm sharing. The governing body wanted me and wants everyone else to believe that Jehovah God, the Almighty, and his son, Jesus Christ, they're just not detail-oriented guys. <laughs> when it comes to saving every precious soul in the universe, life in this universe, nah, they're just not detail-oriented. They, uh, they, they missed a few things. They missed a few things. Uh, and thank God, because in 1919, we decided to pull it all together, get some guys that represent us and, and are just better communicators than we are. Uh, never mind that we were you know, part of inventing language or human behavior. <laughs> These guys are going to do a better job. So let me ask you something, just based on 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. What did God really mean when he said completely equipped, completely? Did he just mean, well, kind of? <laughs> or just kidding on that completely equipped thing? Or uh, I was distracted that day when I sent that one to Paul. When it comes to being completely equipped, let me ask you, to make it simpler, we'll break it down. Would you get on an airplane that isn't completely equipped? <laughs> Would you go under the knife of a surgeon that isn't completely equipped? Or was Jesus just forgetting a few things when he visited? Was he not mm, completely equipped? I'm going to need some imperfect guys to explain this better because we see a lot of that with his apostles, right? Hey, fellas, I'm having some problem communicating my points. Would you would you guys, the apostles, the, the guys that they claim were the first round of governing body members, would you guys explain it better for me? Uh, it's, it's odd. You don't see that in the Gospels. You see them asking a lot of questions, a lot of misunderstood teachings. So what does it mean to be completely equipped? I'm just going to let that hang there. I'm just going to let that hang there. Because it was one of the questions for me as a boy and then as a man that really on long walks, on way too many times laying in bed at night, driving away from the kingdom hall, there was just so many times that I asked myself these questions. So number one, the governing body of Jehovah's Witnesses wants you to believe that they follow the Bible and the Bible's all you need, but not really. And there's where the cognitive dissonance begins. And so is it any shock then at this point for me to bluntly state that the governing body and by extension, those who listen and obey them, they go well beyond what is written in the Bible. Well beyond. Once Jehovah and Jesus established that they simply can't function function without eight guys in upstate New York who just happen to be also located in the United States, you know, <laughs> they, that 
that these eight guys have carte blanche to regularly, daily, every meeting, every convention, every single word override whatever Jehovah and Jesus said by means of Holy Spirit. Is it any shock or can you at least in any way, sense or form argue that Jehovah's Witnesses, and of course I'm talking leadership, go well beyond what is written? Breaking rule number two. Number one is the Bible completely equips you. Number two, and the really the meat of this subject is found at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. Quote, now brothers, these things I have applied to myself and Apollos for your good, that through us you may learn the rule. Do not go beyond the things that are written, end quote. I repeat, repetition for emphasis. I got to pass on that one. <laughs> In the theocratic school, yay. You may learn the rule. Do not go beyond the things that are written. And it's interesting because Jehovah God and by extension, his son, Jesus Christ, the king of Jehovah's Witnesses, as they claim since 1914, they made this point very clear multiple times in the pages of the Bible. This isn't the first time in Corinthians or in Timothy that we're hearing from the almighty creator that nothing is to be added or taken away from his spoken word captured on the pages of the Bible. It isn't the first time. I present to you Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2, where it says, quote, You must not add to the word that I am commanding you, neither must you take away from it so as to keep the commandments of Jehovah your God that I am commanding you, end quote. I present to you just a few chapters later, Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 32, where it says, quote, Every word that I'm commanding you is what you should be careful to do. You must not add to it, nor take away from it, end quote. And then finally, as if that wasn't enough, early on in the history of Jehovah's people, the Old Testament, he's making it clear, don't take away, don't add to it, don't say another word, not a single syllable, not a punctuation. If that isn't enough, right at the very end of the Bible, Right at the very end, just verses from the last comments the creator of the universe has given us, mankind. Jehovah wants to apparently make it crystal clear, crystal clear, that the Bible's enough. Don't add to it. Don't take away. Or we're going to have a big time problem. At Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 through 19, he says, and I quote, I am bearing witness to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone makes an addition to these things, God will add him to the plagues that are written in this scroll. And if anyone takes anything away from the words of the scroll of this prophecy, God will take his portion away from the trees of life and out of the holy city, things that are written about in this scroll. End quote. Did you note, if anyone makes addition to these things,
God's going to whack you. He says it just sentences from the end of a book that he claims is perfect and completely equips you. So whether you're listening for entertainment purposes, it's interesting, or you're a witness seriously seeking out answers, I present to you something that will make the hair raise up on the back of your neck. Explain this. From the Watchtower of 2008, April 15th, page 7. See if you pick up on how the governing body operates here. It says this, quote, When it comes to valueless words, elders too learn an important lesson. Whenever they are called upon to give counsel, they bear in mind their limitations and do not presume to offer counsel solely from their own personal store of knowledge. Please pay careful attention. My words. Quote, they should always point to what the Bible says. A sound rule is in the words of the Apostle Paul, do not go beyond the things that are written. Elders do not go beyond the things that are written in the Bible. And by extension, they do not go beyond the Bible-based counsel written in the publications of the faithful and discreet slave, end quote. Watchtower, 2008, April 15th, page 7. Folks, break this down. This is one of the most unbelievable examples of the governing body, of the cognitive dissonance, of the brainwashing, of the disturbing mental gymnastics that they give to their people. I'm just going to go jump into the middle of that reference again. It says, do not go beyond the things that are written. Elders do not go beyond the things that are written in the Bible. Next sentence, by extension, they do not go beyond the Bible-based counsel written in the publications of the faithful and discreet slave. What? Wait a minute. <laughs> the Bible leaves you completely equipped. Don't go beyond what is written there. Oh, and by the way, also don't go beyond... The council that us guys, the eight guys in upstate New York have written. The fact that you've written anything beyond the Bible means that you've gone beyond the things that are written. <laughs> what? This is just in a paragraph in a Watchtower study. It's out there like a billboard for every Jehovah's Witness and ex-Jehovah's Witness to read. And just when you're, when you're out and you're healed, and even if you're still dealing with some pains, you'd laugh at but look at this. Don't go beyond what is written. Oh, by the way, don't go beyond what we write either. Wait a minute. What you wrote is going beyond what is written. <laughs> it's in the same paragraph. It's separated by a period. God says this. We say that. Wait, he said you shouldn't say anything. Well, don't disobey us either. What? Long-time Jehovah's Witnesses know what's coming next when I say the following. Are you ready? Evidently, or it's reasonable to conclude, or obviously, or perhaps, or clearly, or type versus anti-type. <laughs> I could go on. It's stunning. 
And it gives me chills even talking about it, despite I've been removed for 13, 14 years. In the same paragraph, they can tell you, study the Bible. The Bible's perfection. Don't ever go beyond what is written. By the way, don't go beyond what we write either. Wait a minute. You just went beyond what is written right in the same paragraph. No one notices it. Hands are raising. As a former Watchtower study conductor, I'm calling on you. We're answering the question. We all move on. Let's go grab some food at Taco Bell after the meeting. What? If this doesn't show the depth of what this does to the human mind and spirit, I don't know what does. It's why I stated it's a concrete example of how they have snowed and damaged millions of people throughout the last century plus. And it just keeps getting worse. It keeps getting worse. So let's laugh. Do you want to laugh a little? I do. <laughs> it's the only way I could get through some of this stuff. But please, please, please know. It's not a laughing matter. It really isn't. People have died for this, folks. Children, babies, precious little lives just getting started. You're going to think of it as I run through some examples. So, so let's do that. What are some things you've never going to find in the Bible? What are some things you're never going to find commented on, talked about, mentioned, commanded? Any other plethora of words or descriptors? What are some things you're never going to find the hand of God written in Holy Spirit by Jehovah himself on the pages of his holy book? What, what are some things you're never going to find there? Things that Jehovah's Witnesses are required to obey or risk being shunned by everyone they love. What are some things not found anywhere that have gone well beyond what was written in God's word, his communication to his precious children that Jehovah's Witnesses can be punished for, labeled, that has led Jehovah's Witnesses to ending their lives, that has led to damaged families, relationships, on and on. I say it all the time. Okay. Let's get into some things. I'm going to just start reeling off some examples and we're going to have some giggles because it's the only way to lend some to take away from the gravity of it i guess because i'm just a guy you know so here we go let's start with one that uh the last two weeks has been really a heavy subject uh, disfellowshipping judicial meetings let's just look at judicial meetings it was suggested in comments ukla talking to you buddy uh, to go into this and, and just note that with these things that I list, every single one of these things, again, gone far beyond and above what was written in the Holy Scriptures by the creator of the universe. Every one of these deserves their own show and it's probably going to happen, but we're just going to have some fun with this. Let's start there. Judicial meetings, disfellowshipping, reproof, the time frames around when you're disciplined and held out of the congregation sitting in the back aisle being blackballed and shunned by everybody. Three guys in a room, no women present for every single situation. A secret elder's handbook. You have to write a letter to the body of elders to be reinstated. None of those things are in the Bible. None. And if you dismiss that easily, I've got to ask you why. 
The Bible completely equips you. They're not supposed to go beyond what is written. And yet none of those things are found in the Bible. Where did they come from? Let me help you, men, guys, <laughs> dudes in upstate New York. And it started well over a century ago, and it's morphed into what you see today. Here's one. The, the governing body as a term or the term organization, nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere. Don't let them fool you when they're talking about the first century congregation, when they're talking about Acts chapter 2. There's no mention of a governing body. That's a secular term. term. It's a corporate term. It's not found in the scriptures. Neither is the word organization anywhere found in the scriptures. Don't let them take ancient stories, even from the New Testament, and try to convince you that the governing body was there. Because I've got a question that blows it out of the water. If there was a governing body, why the hell didn't they exist again until the early 1970s of the 20, of the last century? <laughs> Where were they the whole time? Huh? Where was the governing body? If this was a thing, which it isn't, because again, the Bible doesn't mention it. Where was it for all these centuries leading up to 1971, 72? Where was it, guys? Organization? Where did Jesus talk about that? Where did Jesus talk about an organization? Again, I'm not going to go too deep because these are all going to be episodes. Holidays, birthdays. Eh, we've covered this. Go back and listen to a last episode. Bible doesn't mention Christmas, Halloween, or anything else. It does, interestingly, the book of Romans, one of my favorites, actually, when I was a witness. Romans and James, my two favorite books. Romans tells you, don't worry about what other people celebrate. Did you know that? If you're a Jehovah's Witness, we'll have an episode on it. Did you know that? Birthdays, not mentioned. Two birthdays are mentioned where bad things happen to some of God's people. Eh, you think Jesus would have mentioned, eh, don't do birthdays. Interestingly, when he was born, it was quite a party. <laughs> You know, you think he'd mention it. Beards. Give me a break. I, we've covered this subject before, and it's always going to be just ridiculous. Facial hair growing on a man is, uh, by the way, the Bible, the, the Bible that is supposedly, again, the word of God, you're completely equipped with it, and you're not to go beyond what it says, tells us to never shave our beards. <laughs> Old Testament. Take a peek. Sex. Bible doesn't talk about sex, folks. It talks about sex between married people. And if you're not married, don't have sex. That's what it talks about. It doesn't talk about positions. It doesn't talk about oral sex, anal sex. We covered that a few weeks ago. Uh, it doesn't cover these things. It doesn't cover how to date. Okay? <laughs> it doesn't cover that. Otherwise, someone's going to have to point out to me, uh, you know, that rough whole situation with Rachel and Leah where a guy, you know, fools one guy. He has to marry the ugly daughter and then work seven years, and then seven years more for the other. I mean, come on, none of this exists. It was all done away with by Christ, according to the Bible. So dating, chaperones, all the insanity you see of Jehovah's Witnesses today is just that. It's not the Bible. It's not the Bible, but you'll see elders on stage laying down the law and, it, in fact, forming judicial committees to punish people who aren't dating correctly. Higher education. Not mentioned in the Bible. Not mentioned, folks. College, university, bettering yourself, being able to provide for your family, your wife, your kids, health insurance. Oddly enough, Jesus missed the memo. Not mentioned in the Bible. Again, all we do get mentioned is that everything in this book will help you to develop your thinking, your cognitive skills, your conscience, 
to be able to make good, solid decisions on anything that comes out you in life. But somehow Jehovah's Witnesses, as late as this district convention, are once again discouraging young people from bettering themselves through higher education. They have videos on it now, taking beautiful teenage girls and boys and just hammering their dreams, making sure they stay dumbed down and come to Bethel where they get to work for free. Not mentioned in the Bible. I don't see Jesus chasing scholarships or telling us what to do. I don't see him talking about getting good grades. He does give us lots of good counsel about being the best person you can be, providing for your family and loving your family. Eh, comes with education. But Jehovah's Witnesses demolish that subject constantly. I don't even have time to get into blood. Blood is something that I'm just going to confess right here and now is a difficult subject for me. I want to be candid here. I, I, you know, I've stated from the beginning of this show that I'm going to be raw and organic and, you know, put my own faults on display. Uh, This subject never interested me (laughs) as a Jehovah's Witness. I thought it was just a slam dunk thing. I didn't study it. I got my card. I signed it. I got my medical directive, signed it, signed other people's, locked it up in my wallet, made sure it was on display if something happened. Did I understand it? No. Nope. I simply, from the time I was a little, it just didn't interest me. From the time I was a little boy, I heard them say, you can't have blood transfusions. And it wasn't until I was an older man and one of my closer friends was on the hospital liaison committee and part part of the different blood groups that they have in there, which, by the way, are meant for punishment of Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, that I actually started to really study it and realize how absolutely absurd the doctrine is. And it isn't funny because people have died. Children have died over something that was completely, completely made up by Fred France. (laughs) It's not in the Bible anywhere. The Bible does not speak about blood transfusions or medical procedures or organ transplants. It talks about you shouldn't eat blood from bloody dead animals. Got it. Thanks. So noted. But it does not say you can't have another human being's precious blood to keep yourself living in the event you need it. It doesn't even, doesn't even go there at all. It needs its own show. I'm going to be careful there because it's a, it's a whole rabbit hole. One of my favorites, again, it not <laughs> you talk about going beyond what is written. Is there anything more disrespectful and an affront to the almighty of the Bible It is one of my favorites, the fact that God's name, Yahweh, or Jehovah, which didn't come about for centuries later, is included in the New Testament or the New World Translation version of the Bible by Jehovah's Witnesses, and it is not found anywhere in the ancient manuscripts. In the Gospels, where Jesus, of course, wanted everyone to know his father's name, Jehovah, because in 1919, he was going to put together a group that in 1931 would be called Jehovah's Witness. Jesus doesn't mention it. <laughs> I ask you as a critical thinker or someone uncomfortable right now, is that going beyond what is written? Because the Bible is supposed to fully equip us to have a relationship with the creator, the almighty, to know him intimately, to consider him our daddy, our papa. And yet, His name is not anywhere found in the New World Translation. 
uh, excuse me, in the ancient manuscripts, it is found in the New World Translation. It's added in places where Jesus or Jehovah and every other ancient manuscript we can get our hands on scholarly now, he didn't feel the need to put his name there. <laughs> but Jehovah's Witnesses did, the governing body did, so they dropped it in. Subject for an entire show, God's name. If you're a witness listening, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that one of the most miserable things you have to take part in is door-to-door -door preaching. I know it was for me. I hated it, despised it, never prepared for it. I'm being honest. And I was an elder. I could give talks till my head popped off. I couldn't stand going and knocking on a stranger's door on Saturday while they're watching college football and trying to tell them, I'm right, you're wrong. And if you don't listen to me, you're going to die. <laughs> I couldn't stand it. But how about this door-to-door -door preaching work that the governing body and Jehovah's Witnesses claim sets them apart from all other religions of the world? You're going to think, well, Stacy, it's in the Bible. They'll point to Jesus sending out his disciples in twos at one point. But you're going to need to show me where Jesus gives us some kind of guideline or parameter within the scriptures of the Holy Bible, completely equipped for every good work, fully competent, where he shows us the modern day practice that Jehovah's Witnesses do in field service, door to door. Because what Jesus did in no way, shape or form resembles what Jehovah's Witnesses do today. I'm still looking for the scripture or the account for, of Jesus using literature. <laughs> Magazines, books from a publishing company in upstate New York. I'm still looking for the account where him and the apostles are dragging their carts, their book carts. <laughs> I'm still looking for, you know, it, they're there in the temple in Jerusalem with their cart propped up. Hey, have a book. <laughs> Or I'm looking for the account of Jesus and the apostles taking random coffee breaks to break up the endless monotony of this miserable experience of telling people, listen to me or die, that Jehovah's Witnesses do and are now being once again commanded to do as of this district convention. But here's the thing. Again, Bible, fully competent, completely equipped, don't add a word, nothing. At Luke chapter 10, verses 5 through 7, we find direction from the Son of God, Jesus himself, to not preach from house to house. <laughs> you heard that correctly. Jesus actually says not to do it. Quote, Luke 10, 5 through 7, he says, And into whatsoever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. Simple. We came here to give you a warm fuzzy. Excellent. Thank you for giving me that. Oh, how nice. Quote, if not, it shall return to you again. Yeah, they didn't like the warm fuzzy. Okay, leave. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. And then Jesus says this. Go not from house to house. Many translations say don't transfer, don't bounce around, don't visit house to house. Don't do what Jehovah's Witnesses and the governing body command them to do today. Knock on doors house to house with a territory map in your hand, 
a bucket full of literature, a cart, tell them they're wrong or they're going to die. Yeah, it seems pretty clear. Competent, fully competent, completely equipped from the son of God himself. Go to the house, give them a warm greeting if they like it. They'll thank you for the hug if they don't. Move on. By the way, if they're hospitable and offer you something nice, take it. You deserve it. You put in a lot of effort. No more trips to Starbucks for you. (laughs) But one thing I want to make clear here, guys, as the Son of God, do not go from house to house. How many Jehovah's Witnesses, comfortable or uncomfortable right now, have ever considered that verse? It's the backbone of this religion. This district convention... And in recent letters, correspondence to the congregations of Jehovah's Witnesses, they're commanding them to all go back into the door-to-door work post-COVID. Let's get off the Zoom stuff. Let's get back to the doors. It's shocking. It doesn't resemble at all what the Bible says. It's very clearly going beyond the things written in the Word of God. I have to, as I promised, lighten this up a little bit on this subject as the thing that I really see as concrete proof. Jehovah's Witnesses are false. You shouldn't be concerned. You need to work on healing and taking care of yourself if you're thinking about this or deciding to leave. I just want to look at some things that that are such a part of the common fabric of our world today that Jehovah's Witnesses make the biggest deal out of, and they are not written in the Bible. I talked, on, I talked about some of them here just a minute ago, but let's consider some funny ones, some cultural ones. Are they funny? I don't know if that's the right word, folks. I'm rambling, but here's some things that the governing body have clearly gone beyond what is written on as if the list I just gave you wasn't enough. And there are so many more, so many more. But consider a few of these. Smoking, cannabis, marijuana. Do you, when I think of that subject, do you, for us old timers, I don't know if the younger generation has had any study material on this in a long time, but the old timers, people my age will remember. Do you remember mandrakes? Mandrakes, the fruit, the account in the Old Testament. You remember that? It, it's still, mandrake is a fruit. Like, is it a fruit or a vegetable? I can't even remember. But, and it is still, it's still seen as a very, great. It's a good, desirable delicacy in parts of the Middle East. It's regarded as an aphrodisiac. And they believe that it's able to increase human fertility. It's able to aid in conception. And in Genesis, in the Genesis record, it it gives us the story of Rachel, who agreed to exchange with her sister Leah an opportunity to have the marital due to have sex with Jacob for a few mandrakes. I'll give you some mandrakes. I get to have sex with him. So apparently on this subject of, you know, I bring up marijuana cannabis, which is seen as a medicinal aid today. It isn't just recreational folks. Whatever you believe about it is up to you. Again, I don't want to go beyond what's written, (laughs) but apparently plant edibles were okay in an agricultural society. The Bible doesn't mention smoking. It doesn't mention marijuana. Uh, Smoking is terrible for you. Be smart. That's just a bad habit, folks. It's not good for you. Not judging. It's just care about people. Slow suicide. It's not good. But the Bible doesn't comment on it. And yet in the early 70s, they started DFing people on this if they were addicted to nicotine. Marijuana now is becoming 
incredibly mainstream, whether you agree with it or not. Let's talk about tattoos. You know, I, I <laughs> the, the Mosaic Law, I've talked about this in a past episode, mentions marking your skin and how you shouldn't do it. Of course, the verse before it says, don't shave your beard. So there's a real paradox going on here on what you obey and don't obey. But tattoos, as if that's something Jesus felt was so important, he needed to comment on. Oh, wait a minute, he didn't. <laughs> he never even mentioned it. Despite knowing the Mosaic Law like the back of his hand, despite having a part in writing the Mosaic Law, undoubtedly when it was handed to Moses, <laughs> according to the Bible. Jesus doesn't feel the need anywhere to mention tattoos. Most guys get a mom tattoo. I often wondered, wouldn't it have been funny if Jesus got a dad tattoo? <laughs> I know, my brain is weird. <laughs> I often thought, can you imagine Jesus with a tetragrammaton tat? That would have that would have cleared up quite a few questions throughout history. I think. Sorry, folks, I it's off the rails. Let's talk about masturbation, not in the Bible. Comfortable or uncomfortable is a subject, and this one is a handful. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry <laughs> that wasn't poor taste. <laughs> masturbation is a handful. Okay. Jehovah's Witnesses in the governing body have gone well beyond what is written. In the youth book, they made claims that masturbation would turn you gay or homosexual, not understanding anything in reference to sexuality, heterosexuality versus homosexuality. If you masturbate, you might turn gay. Imagine the ignorance behind that statement. And I might I mention masturbation is not talked about in the Bible. You're going to mean to tell us that masturbation is a modern day problem, that no one ever thought of it throughout all eons of history, throughout all the centuries. Men and women never thought oh, that that's kind of something. No, doctors have seen fetuses doing it in the womb. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, even commenting on something as personal as self-pleasure is going beyond what is written. And the witnesses, again, whole show on this. Here's one I've always really enjoyed. How about pinatas? <laughs> if you're sitting there now and you're thinking, what the hell? This is a real thing. There were several articles on pinatas in the 70s and 80s. And there, let me give you just a, a quick clue. They're no can do for Jehovah's Witness kids. No can do. You can't go out there and bash a pinata and get some candy. Nope. The, the Awake of 1971, June 22nd, pages 23 through 24, has some doozy statements about pinatas striking fear in their demonic background and in how it, even swinging at things can be violent and all this insanity. Folks, Jesus and the patriarchs of old, they did not attend a Latin American uh, event anywhere in the pages of the Bible, but the governing body in feeling like the Bible wasn't enough or that a man wasn't fully competent decided to go well beyond what is written and warn us against the dangers of pinatas. <laughs> it's just crazy. And again, podcasts are for entertaining purposes. This subject, it just blows your mind that this is even a subject. And it is, it is. Here's a personal favorite of mine, body piercings, piercings. 
I want to read to you the awake of March 22nd, 2000, pages 11 through 13. I also want to mention this is found nowhere in the Bible. Pro proving my point that Jehovah's Witnesses don't follow the Bible, they're listening to eight guys in upstate New York. On body piercings, the March 22nd, 2000 Awake said, despite their popularity among celebrities, body piercings and earrings for men, they're talking about men here, we'll get into women in a minute, have thus far failed to gain general acceptance in the West. What? Huh? They have? One reason may be that these have long been the hallmark of prison inmates, motorcycle gangs, punk rockers, and members of the homosexual sadomasochistic subculture. <laughs> For many, body piercings has been the connotation of deviance and rebellion. A number view it as shocking, repugnant, says a Christian girl named Ashley. This boy in my class just got his nose pierced. He thinks it's cool. I think it's disgusting, end quote. <laughs> March 22nd, 2000. Body piercings, males wearing earrings, and everything weren't, weren't accepted in Western culture. Also, might I add, not mentioned in the Bible <laughs> anywhere. There was a time, folks, in the 70s and 80s where they railed against women, or the sisters in this case, having double piercings in their ear. That was a big... If you're a sister or a former sister listening to this, do you remember that? Where if you came to meetings with a couple ear piercings in your ear... You were seen as a wild rebel. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Finally, just, just one more quick cultural one that I just, it just, <laughs> I don't even know how to wrap my head around. In this subject of going beyond was it written, I could spend six hours doing a podcast. And, and again, like I said, these are all going to be vertical episodes at some point because it's fun or at least crazy and entertaining. Let's tackle... Just in conclusion, dancing. Do you remember what a big deal dancing was? If you were in the 70s and 80s, our only time to get together and meet a girl from another hall or a boy from another hall was we'd have dance parties. There'd be some snacks. Somebody's parents would host this, and we'd come over and dance. And, oh, my God, the, the thorough, unbelievable effort that parents went to to look at all the music. You know, in my era, it was Michael Jackson and... Madonna and uh, Prince. Oh my God, I love Prince. Let's not even go there. Uh, who became a Jehovah's Witness subject for a whole other episode. But couldn't play certain songs. I remember at my wedding, true story, everyone dancing to the song Janet Jackson, Nasty. Remember that song? Uh, love that song. Janet Jackson was amazing. Uh, she was singing Nasty and someone went up and unplugged the stereo at my wedding. People were dancing to that. So let's, so let's talk about dancing. I grew up in the 70s in the disco era. I remember as a kid, uh, always looking to see where Jesus, what Jesus had to say about dancing, <laughs> okay? G disco was huge. And uh, look, I still love disco music. I, I'm going to just admit it. But I could never find any commentary where Jesus mentioned Danny Terrio <laughs> or Dance Fever. Do you remember this if you're from my generation? Dance with, with Danny Terrio. I, I'm still looking for the verse where Jesus goes into the Jerusalem disco and starts condemning white pantsuits and busting up BG records. <laughs> Can't you just see Jesus walking onto the dance floor 
and putting a whole new spin on how deep is your love. <laughs> Yet, and final example, The Awake of 1979, March 22nd, pages 8 through 12, warns us in depth about Saturday Night Fever and even goes into how dangerous disco lights are, strobe lights, and 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 how the music can be so loud it harms your hearing. And, and it just goes on and on and on. WTF. As a kid in the 70s, I couldn't go to school dances because of this stuff. Couldn't go to it. And yet nowhere in the Bible does it mention you can't go dance. Look, I get you don't want to be sexually provocative or disgusting. Come on. But you can't go to the seventh grade dance and slow dance with that girl you've had a crush on. Nope. It's disco, man. <laughs> so Danny Terrio, John Travolta, the Bee Gees, all that bad stuff. Donna Summer. God, my God. Remember the controversy around Donna Summer? I got to do a, a whole episode on dancing and disco. That was an unbelievable era. And time truly doesn't allow me to print. This one's gone long as they seem to be doing more and more. Doesn't even permit me to go into the, the infrastructure of Jehovah's Witnesses, none of which are seen, read, recorded, taught anywhere in the scriptures, nowhere in the Bible, district overseers, circuit overseers, elders, ministerial servants, the theocratic ministry school. I've already touched on field service, but the whole idea of what a publisher is and turning in field service slips. The coordinator for the body of elders, the theocratic school, which is now Gonzo, the awake, which is Gonzo. When it comes to doctrinal teachings, the 144,000 is a literal number. Other sheep versus the great crowd. 1914. Paradise Earth. If you're still listening on this long episode, none of those things are taught frankly, directly, and lovingly in the pages of the Bible. They're not there. It's all cherry-picked, man-made, governing body teachings that they've used this book for to leverage and give foundation to something that isn't real. It isn't real. And again, time doesn't permit me to go on about things like brother and sister or sport coats or dress and grooming. It'll have its own episode. The sisters with all the dress and grooming. Jean skirts. Remember the jean skirt controversy, ladies? <laughs> Men, remember the no-colored dress shirt controversy? The subjects that the governing body feels they have the right to comment on, create, and enforce life-altering discipline on are endless and none of them are in the Bible. They have clearly gone beyond the things written. They clearly have told us the Bible does not completely equip you. Now look, any organization, any company, any club has the right to enforce their own rules on their members. doesn't matter who you are. A business, the Boy Scouts, a football team. But it doesn't mean that they represent the creator of the universe. It doesn't. Because they don't. They've taken something that many believe is from the creator of the universe, and they've cherry-picked a few sentences at times. They've cherry-picked numbers. They've gone well beyond what is written in God's word. They've gone well beyond what we would call insulting the creator by saying he needs them to explain this to the planet. 
They've gone beyond all of it. Jehovah's Witnesses do not follow the Bible. They do not. It's merely an afterthought, a tool, a diversion, a distraction, an absolute pool of cognitive dissonance for their people. Read God's Word, the Bible daily, but really don't. Everything in there makes you fully competent, completely equipped, but it really doesn't. Messages that they are pounded on, pounded with weekly. Weekly. So if you're a Jehovah's Witness listening, again, I have nothing but respect for you. I was one for years. I dealt with the pain. And maybe you're uncomfortable. I have a question for you. A question in conclusion. Who really is the authority in your life? Jehovah and his word, the Bible, which is absolute perfection? Or eight guys in upstate New York? It's an honest question. And if you're uncomfortable and you feel the fear creeping in on you right now, let me read Romans 8, 35 through 39, right from God's or the Bible. It says this. Who will separate us from the love of the Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or hunger or nakedness or danger or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We have been accounted as sheep for slaughtering. On the contrary, in all these things, we are coming off completely victorious through the one who loved us. Please take note of the next sentence. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor governments, nor things now here, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creation, nor a publishing company in upstate New York, nor eight guys led by Tony Morris and Stephen Lett, nor anything that they have to say, nor their billions of pages of literature, nor all the things that they've changed, rechanged, changed back, None of these things will be able to separate us from God's love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, end quote. There, this apostate went beyond what is written. <laughs> Please read Romans 8, 35 through 39. If you stuck around this long through this episode, God, I didn't plan on going this long. I want to thank you. I want to thank all the folks that listen, the DMs, the comments, I try to read everyone. If I miss it, I'm so bad at social media. Thanks for your patience. But in conclusion, when I'm asked, what was one of those things, Stacy, that made you exit stage left? It's this. Jehovah's Witnesses do not follow the Bible, despite claiming that it completely equips them at 1 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy 3. Despite being told it's a rule to not go beyond what is written, the governing body have done just that. They do it every day. They do it every meeting. They do it every assembly, every convention. Jehovah's Witnesses do not follow the Bible. Thanks again to all those listening. We'll see you next week. Be well out there. We'll see you soon.